I'm Michelle Olivier, and you're listening to Hey, I Want Your Job, the podcast that looks at amazing jobs and what it takes to get them. Hey there. Hey, I want your job. And this week I have a fabulous guest who has had many incredible jobs, none of which I could possibly do, none of which I would be qualified for, all of which I think are incredibly exciting that she can do. Um, Danielle Orsino, what job title are you claiming today? Today I am claiming fantasy author and world architect. God, that's such a great title. Okay, so we're going to start with a little bit of backstory because obviously I set it up as like you've done all these things. So give us a couple of your more exciting previous job titles. I have been an LPN. So that's pretty exciting all in itself. But I have also been a member of the WKA uh, World Martial Art US team. Amazing. So I kind of like that one personally. Um, I am a member of the World Martial Art Hall of Fame. Okay. That's incredible. I have done some stunt work for the WW when it was the WWF, and that allowed me to work with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and uh, China, Triple H, uh, Nick Foles, and The Undertaker, who I was never allowed to talk to when he was in costume or in character, but, you know. Okay. And I was the protege of Sifu Vincent Lin, who was the one got me a job. And he was, uh, he had worked with Jackie Chan on uh, Operation Condor. Oh, wow. So that was kind of cool. And Vincent's an awesome, awesome guy. So those were all really cool jobs that I was able to uh, lay claim to. And then I was the fight choreographer and Wonder Woman consultant on the fanfic Wonder Woman Balance of Power that uh, went on to win some awards at cons with Red Cape Cinema. Incredible. Such an amazing like resume. I So many things about that I'm excited about. So we're going to kind of take it in pieces. You are a fantasy writer and world creator, but you come from a background of kicking butt. <laughs> and um as a like professional butt kicker um in all different ways. So one of the things that I hear about author about fantasy fighting and that sort of thing. Inevitably there's some kind of a battle in a fantasy mm-hmm. novel and I hear a lot of frustration that that battle is not very realistic and not well done. Is that the fact that you've been a consultant for films and that sort of thing in the past tells me that obviously it's something close to your heart. Is that how you got brought into that world was correcting bad behavior or mm-hmm. was there something else that drew you in to being in the, the fantasy author and, and world creator? Uh, I did not start out thinking one day I shall be an author. <laughs> essay when I was in like second grade that said uh, I was going to be an author but the following week I wrote an essay saying I was going to be Wonder Woman so we'll take that with a grain of salt first of all um you know but uh I didn't I did not put on this path this was something that uh the universe kind of threw me down 
because I originally was in uh, the healthcare field and I thought that was where I was going to stay. There was, I was taking my prereqs for, for PA school and nurse practitioning programs. I was deep in, I was like, I'm gonna go make money and be logical, you know? And the universe was like, yeah, right. Um, they were like, no, that's not where you're going at all. I had left the competitive martial art behind. That whole world was behind me. I was down on this healthcare thing. And I met a page who I close to, and he just needed to distract care of his Lyme disease treatment anymore. He was done with it. And it just came down to me having to keep him in that chair and do it by any means necessary. We started down this conversation, Danny, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm driving hours and hours for treatment. I don't want to do this. And I was like, well, you kind of have to. So how are we keeping you in this chair? And so I just have like tell me something college and i'm like bing 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 okay let's back that up and so he started telling me about the recruitment process and i'm like oh we could have found out what was in roswell you know you go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories because that's just where my mind goes and he's like no it was for the trends and intentions division of the cia the most pouring part so you know we had this whole conversation and then it just kind of went down the path of like I was like, well, I know why you're really here. You're here to find out if the nurse is really the brains behind this whole operation, you know, kind of just joking with him. And I'm like, but I'm sure you know where Lyme really comes from. And once again, conspiracy theories abound, Plum Island, this, that. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went, no. And to this day, I have no idea what made me say this. I said, the Fae. And he turns around, he looks at me, he goes, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know. I'm like, oh, a big CIA agent like you, you know all about the Fae. And he was like, no, tell me more. And so I just start telling him this story and it just, I'm just off the top of my head. I'm like the Fae, I was like, you know, they're these um, angels who were locked out of heaven and they didn't get involved in the war between God and Lucifer. And I'm just making this stuff up. I'm not thinking I'm gonna write a story. And every day that he came in, I sat down and told him another piece of it. And he just said, he's like, you need to go home and write this crap down. He's like, you, re you really do. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah dude, I'm going to make the money. I'm going to go learn how to do Botox and wrestling and I'm going to pump some face with it. That's where I'm doing. Like, I know where my money is. And he was like, no, you need to do this. And that's what set me down that path. Once I started writing the story, I was like, okay, I'm not going to write sweeping battle scenes like Lord of the Rings because that's not where my expertise is. I don't ride horses. Uh, I don't, you know, have a spear. I don't shoot bow and arrows, so that's not going to be it. And after watching, and don't get me wrong, I love The Dark Knight. I like Batman Begins. But my problem with the movie was always all you saw was a cape, some ears, and a punch. And I was like, okay, okay who's he fighting? Like, I can't see anything. Those fight scenes to me were always a lot of black cape, a lot of rustling, his cowl, and then you'd see a fist. And then you were just like, what the hell happened? And then the guy was on the floor and you were like, what? Okay, back up. I want to see it. I want to actually see the fight unfold. So I thought when I actually sit and write a fight scene, I'm going to act it out first of all, and I'm going to keep it to one, two, maybe three people and make it as realistic as possible from what I knew and take it to, I hate to say it, but staying in my lane. Like I don't write speed in battles, like I don't do that, but take my martial arts and pull it in. 
and take what weapons they do. You know, the broad sword nunchucks, because I don't do the nunchucks. I can pass through my legs real fast. That's about it. So my fae, not going to have weapons I don't use. But I do tend to look member standpoint and how it should be described. But I act out every fight scene and videotape it. With my phone, I video it and then watch it. And I'm like, okay, how would I describe it? And if I'm watching this from the audience member's standpoint, does this even interest me? Is it kind of, you know, is it cool or not? My dogs have been the stand-ins many times. My husband has walked into the backyard and my poor little Chewini's been on her hind legs. I've had a broadsword and he's been like, I don't even want to know what's happening right now. And he's just quietly walked back inside. And he's been like, just don't hurt the dog, honey. Just just leave the pups alone. Uh, he's acted as a fae many times while I've been like, well, if the elbow comes across this way and you go backwards, and he's given me his two cents on how the fight should go down. Um, so I try to just use what I know. And yes, in a way, correct behavior I've seen on screen. Because, you know, sometimes we watch those fights, whether it's superheroes or not. And I'm like, okay, that wouldn't happen. Like, I think one of the better fight scenes is in the first Wonder Woman, in the church, in the steeple, when she kind of, when she finds the uh, sniper and she crashes through, like, it's really well done. And she's on her knee and then she's kind of taking them out with the sword. It, it's a very well done scene. It's more realistic because she's utilizing the space, uh, all the tools around her. She's not just, it's not just a punch, but she's got elbows, knees, it's everything. That's one of the better ones because you can see how the body reacts and it's not just her fist or her, just her elbow, just her knee. It's that long range where you can see it. And then you see it from who's getting hit their point of view, which I like in some of the superhero movies in the past, it's been like, I can't, I, it's just the fist going into the body. I don't know what's, I don't know how they got hit. I don't know what's happening here. So I like to kind of put it all together. So that was so much answer and I love it. Sorry. Uh, no, yeah. you're fine. So I want to take it apart a little bit because mm -hmm. there's a huge leap from the moment that you became a story crafter for the most noble mm -hmm. reasons, which was to help somebody get well from mm -hmm. that to, I am actually going to sit down and go through the massive pain in the ass that is writing. An entire book, yeah. let alone editing, publishing, etc. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that moment of transition. If husband was in the picture, then what did he say? If not, mm -hmm. what did friends and family say? Because there's always somebody who's like, "This is a terrible idea," and you'll, you know, oh, yeah. you're going to be penniless and uh, the laughing stock. Mm -hmm. So, talk to me about all of that friction and and what was it that drove you from that initial you should write this shit down to i am now a published author of some really great fantasy fiction um i didn't i did it in stages okay and i never truly committed if that makes sense it does um <laughs> it, it was weird because i hand wrote everything and i didn't hand i didn't do it like i shall 
sit now and write a book. Chapter one. No, it didn't go like that. It did not even remote. If there was a, a class on how not to write a book, I should be teaching it. Okay. Because that's how I did it. I picked up, um, I bought a little journal and I'm like, okay. And I sat down to like, remember a part of a story that I told him. And as I was writing it, I went, oh, well, nobody's going to know who the Faye are. Because originally the story I was kind of telling him was making him part of it. So he was the CIA agent. So I was writing it more in modern time. So I'm writing that and I went, and the first one I wrote was what everybody else will come to know is the second part of my series. And it was, what is chapter 12 in that? And it's uh, the agent kind of talking to the DOD and I'm writing that and I went, nobody's gonna know who the Fae are. Okay, let me get another journal. And I picked up that one and I went, the Fae? And then I'm like, um... All right, well, okay, the FAE stands for the Fellowship Ages. Okay, but how'd they get there? And I picked up a journal and I just started writing in all these journals. So I had a bunch of books started at different moments. So that's how I, I began this journey. Like exactly, there was no outline. There was none of that crap. Okay, none there was the no like, they tell you to use. Yeah, none of that. There was no world building worksheet. There, none of that crap. There was no like this my protagonist. No, I had none of that. It was it was just up literally six or seven journals, half written in each. And I'm like, okay, what sure, this is how I'm doing it. And I I my husband was like, what are you doing? And I just looked up at him one day and I went, I'm writing a book. And he was like, Oh, cool. Good and he just went, like, you know. <laughs> and he just was like, What's it about? And I went, fairies. And he went, uh, do you read books about that? And I was like, yeah, it's usually vampires, but not that much different. You know, I was like, yeah. You know, I was just looking at him like, how, how hard could this be? And he goes, you still going to medical school, right? I went, uh-huh. He went, okay. Went right back to writing. I was like, yeah, you know, like, here we go. This is, how hard is this? You know, it was kind of like, yeah. Why not? How bad could it be? And I didn't didn't really tell it. I didn't tell anybody because I was like, is this going to go anywhere? You know, it was more like. I was really in the middle of cast cycle, which is all the prereqs. If you want to go to this program or that program. So you have to submit your application through this portal. So I was doing that and then writing and going to work. So I was really like, okay. And then I think my husband started noticing that I, I was keeping a notepad by the bed. It was in my head before I go to bed. And he was like, well, I figure if I'm bored, then the reason is taking up some time. And I'm like, yeah, just, you know, just thinking, like, you know. And he was like, okay, yeah, all right, keep going with that. Like, you know, it was still like, okay, this is, this is cute. And I would see my patient every, and he was like, you know, how's that book? I'm like, no, I'm still writing, you know, I'm telling him stories. And he was still sitting in the chair. And I was like, he's like, you're going to write this one down, right? You're going to write, like, I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. He's like, you should record it on your phone. Like, and I'm like, yeah, no. It's, and then I was kind of getting more into it. And I'm like, and I thought we've, 
you know, we got something like, but once again, thought, and then I finished, um, locked out of heaven. Like I got it all down on paper, like the entire, it was here. And then I typed and I was like, okay, it's wow. This is my fingers hurt. But I was like, well, we, I, I did this, like, this is cool. And I wound up getting um, my first PA school interview at the same time. And I was like, no, we're still going, still doing this. Like everything's good. Uh, And then I got into the program. And at that same time, I had picked up an agent for a lock that have happened. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's okay. Because by the time this whole I'll have been through, through PA school, be getting out. Like I had it all in my head that this will all, this will all be okay. This is all going to work out. And um, I went to my first NP school interview as, uh, as well at the same time. And uh, the universe decided, if you haven't figured out that you're not supposed to be doing this yet, we're going to take this big old brick and we're now going to lob it at your head and see if you understand. And as I was sitting there, I got the worst headache of my life in the middle of this interview. And the interview was going really bad. I mean, like, like the worst interview you have ever been on in your life. It was happening at that moment. As I'm in this interview, one of the nurses said, do you know what LPN stands for? And I looked at her, I went, no. And she goes, stands for let's play nurse. RN stands for real nurse. And I was like, oh, I'm not getting in this program. Like at that point, I was like, bets are off. I like literally looked at her and said, and I said, I'm taking the gloves off. Like, let's just go. And the interview was going bad. I wasn't getting in, but the headache was getting worse. And the doc sitting there looking at me, she's like, are you feeling okay? I'm like, I got a migraine. And she's like, okay. So at the end of the whole thing, she goes, apply to PA school, honey. She goes, you're not getting in here. I leave and I get home. Um, and I the headache gets worse. I lift my head up and my, my eye is drooping. My mouth is drooping. And I figure I'm having a stroke. I go to the hospital. They do a CAT scan. It comes back that I have a brain aneurysm. And uh, I had had it my whole life. But at that moment, it started changing. So I'm like, I'm still going to PA school. <laughs> like, I'm still like, I'm. I'm still going like, it doesn't matter. I go see a neurologist. Neurologist is like, why would you go to medical school? Like, why would you stress yourself out? You have a brain aneurysm. It's inoperable. Go do something like that you love. And I'm like, no, like, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to do something. You know, it's still that fighter instinct in me is like, no, no. And I apply to a PA program, get my interview. I go in and I find out at that point the book has been, I have two offers on the table from one of the big three, but of course they wanted to make all these changes. And a friend of mine is like, you know what? I have a publishing company. I only do nonfiction. I want to do fiction. I want it to be your book for the first time. And I find out as I'm accepting the PA school that um, if I was to publish the book during the time that I'm in PA school, it's considered in violation of their employment contract. And I'm like, what? And they were like, yeah, if the book comes out during that time, they said, even if you don't do any promotion, 
just if it comes out in the two years you're in the program, it's considered that you are in violation of our employment contract. It's a $20,000 fine and you're kicked out of the program. We can vote to kick you out of the program and none of your credits are transferable and you're in default of all your loans. And I'm like, um, but, but like, what do I do? And so I spoke to the head of the program who then said, he goes, can I just talk to you totally off the record? So I can't reveal his name. And I said, yeah. And he goes, if this was me, I said, yeah. He goes, bet on red, honey. He's like, I remember interviewing you. He's like, you have bright red hair. I said, yeah. He goes, do yourself a favor, bet on yourself and bet on red. He goes, go rich book. He's like, don't get into healthcare. And I, he was like, I was like, huh? He's like, don't do this. And I was like, okay. And that was the moment I called my father up, took a picture of the acceptance letter because it said medical school, took a picture of it. And I was like, hey, dad, uh, I'm sending you this. And I sent him the picture and he goes, oh, my God, you got into med medical school. I got into the PA program, but it's medical school. He goes, no, this is medical school. I said, so this counts. He goes, yep. I said, this counts as medical school. I need to you to say that. He goes, yes, counts as medical school. I said, great. I'm going to um, not accept it because I'm going to go write a book about fairies. Got to go. Just remember, I got into medical school. This counts. Hung up and waited for the phone to ring because I knew he was calling me back. And he called back and he was like, I'm sorry, honey. Did I, did I hear you right? And I was like, I'm sorry. It, it depends on what you heard. And he was like, did you just say you're, you're not going? And I was like, well, let's back it up. I said, because the bill is $180,000 that I can no longer write off anymore. I said, so let's start with that. And he went, uh-huh. I said, and, and they need $10,000 like right now to, to save the spot. I was like, so unless you have that. And he went, uh-huh. I was like, and I'm going to write a book about fairies. And he went 180 grand. I said, yeah. He goes, go have fun writing a book about fairies. Love you. Bye. <laughs> I love it. I love that it was that simple and that, so that was, yeah. I mean, I know yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a million other things in between there, but that is a great story. Uh, Danielle. Oh my God. So the book got, goes through publishing. Mm -hmm. You have no experience as a professional None. writer. You haven't been through workshop after workshop and, you know, editing and all of those things before and um, you told me a great story about the oxford comma uh, before um which makes me think that the entire thing they might as well have been speaking sanskrit at you <laughs> as you were sat there tell me so i'm dyslexic and oh every once in a while i so your entire writing process makes perfect sense to me because I could not sit down and write a book. I could sit down and write a short story and have mm -hmm. that connect to another short thing that I wrote another time. Mm -hmm. But my brain would not hold a cohesive book altogether. So I feel you 100%. I would have you know, your journal su suggestion. I feel yep. that in my bones. I would be terrified and feel so vulnerable and so on display to go in then with professional editors and be like, this is a thing I wrote. I feel that way about my freaking LinkedIn posts, right? Like, 
<laughs> Never mind. A book. And a book is so much more personal, right? Because you created this world. And so if people say yes. this is a pile of shit, then it's like they're saying this piece of your brain, your brain yes, baby your is soul. a pile of, of shit, right? And so talk to me about that process where you both practically and like the emotional, like how, how was that? Was it as terrifying as I think it would be? Was it like, no, it seemed like it'd be scary. It was great. Let me start with this. I had two experiences. The first edition of Locked Out of Heaven, I will not tell anybody go read um, because my first publisher did not take the time with me and left it all up to me to find the editor and to do all this because I was their first foyer into fiction writing. So when they were like, oh, there's a mistake, no big deal, blah, blah, blah. And I was panicking. I found an editor and once she knew I was dyslexic, basically she was like, I don't have to do my job because you're not going to see my mistakes and did do a great edit. That was my first mistake. Here's what I will tell people. Do not tell anybody you're dyslexic when you're editing. And I know that seems counterintuitive, but unless you really build a rapport with somebody, the, when you're first looking for an editor, don't tell them. Because I have found that when you're first looking, they're like, they think they can slip something by. Uh, because remember, an editor is only going to catch of the mistakes on the first pass. So uh, the editor I first used um, for, the for the final rendition of the, of the first edition basically was like, she's not going to catch the mistakes. What's the big deal? And just didn't do a good enough job. And my publisher at the time, which is why I'm not with them anymore, didn't care. And yes, it's horrific when you get your first set of critiques and all that stuff, because I think people forget there's a person as an author on the other side. And there is a, a bit of a trend in whether it's the bookstagrams or whatever, you know, the community of to just be like, oh, well, if you're in this, then you have to have a thick skin. The difference is, is that if I come to your job and I critique you, you have an opportunity the next day to fix whatever the critiques are. In writing, there is none. The book is out there. Then, like, I can't go back in that moment and go, okay, let me change that line. I can't. The book is the same. It's out there. I, can't. I can maybe use your critiques on the second book or on the third book, but I can't fix the first book. So I think sometimes it's kind of forgotten. My new publisher, the editing process is very been beautiful, still just as hard. Every time I turn in a manuscript, there's me going, oh God, I hope you like this. I hope you like this. I hope you like this. And my fingers are crossed. And I'm still like, because I'm still getting used to being an author and owning that. Because I still kind of feel like I'm not classically trained. Like I'm with some of the authors in the Four Horsemen stable. They have already written 30 books books, you know, or they're, they've been an author for 10, 15 years. And I'm like, I'm two years in. Yay. You know, I'm a rookie. And I'm like, I'm on the, my fourth book. And they're just like, yeah, you're on number four. And I'm like, oh, how many of you written? They're like, oh, this is my 15th. And I'm like, you're what? You know, I'm looking at, I'm like, oh my gosh, for me, I'm still, these are still my babies. When, when, they, when somebody gets on like King Jarvok and they're like, oh, he's just a brooding, whatever. I'm like, that's King Jarvok. He's he's king of the dark bay, and 
and you know he he slayed demons and, and i like start like you know giving you his his whole resume and his rapport and i'm like but it's it's jarbach and you don't understand and then my dyslexia comes out because i'm like originally in my journal he was written as sharp as barjuk but when i went to type it my dyslexia kicked in and that's how jarbach came out that was not his original name but once i typed it i went that works and in my head jarvok was like yeah that's cool i can stick with jarvok cool thank you you know but in the journal it was a v uh, just my dyslexia you know so they're mine and this whole world that i've created i am so protective of it that you know if i get a three and a half star review i'm like that's all i got and people are like oh that's good i'm like no 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 it's not my veins are bigger than that. I'm like, how did you not like my, you know, and I get like, I'm ready to fight them. And it's, it's kind of crazy because they don't even exist. But in my head, they're, they talk to me, they're real. When I'm, when I go from writing, handwriting to getting on the computer, they're in my head going, I wouldn't say that. No, I don't, I don't, I don't want to wear that. I don't, I don't go there. Like they're right there on my side. You know, Alien Dragon is based on my Yorkie. And that happened because he doesn't like to take baths. My, my Yorkie, Carlos, he hates bath time. That dog is gone. You can't find him. He's, he's gone. And one day, I knew I wanted to put my dogs in the book. So I was deciding, all right, what would Carlos be? And he's, he's a nine-pound Yorkie. This is his dog. But he's got a huge personality. So I was like, he'll be a dragon. Well, will he be a fire breather, an acid breather? I'm going back and forth. And it was bath time. So once you take his collar off, you have to like lock his house because you'll never get him out. He's got a little cat house. So we took his collar off. He went running. Couldn't find him. He tipped over his toy bin and went inside of it. So we're looking and I'm like, did he get out? What happened? Meanwhile, my Chewini's looking at me and my husband like, you freaking idiot. And she's sitting next to the toy bin. And I'm like, where's your brother? She looks at the toy bin and looks at both of us like idiots. And she looks back at the toy bin. Well, he ET'd it. He climbed in the toy bin and was staring straight ahead. Camouflaged himself perfectly. He'd been there the whole time. He looked just like ET. And I'm looking and I'm like, what? And finally we bend down. Dog is staring straight ahead. I'm like, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, Carlos, I can see you not blinking staring straight ahead i'm like i can and at that point he became los the chameleon i'm like you're a chameleon i was like get out oh my god didn't move dog didn't even look at me he was just and he had the toys around him and i'm like you're a chameleon dragon so they're all so much me that yeah, when anybody like, when even when they edit and they're like, I'm taking this out, I'm like, no, you can't. His tongue always like, because Carlos, his tongue always hangs out. It's too big for his mouth. So when they were like, Los's tongue is out, I'm like, Los's tongue is always out. I'm like, don't touch that. Don't touch that line. Leave Los's tongue out. So I, yeah, I get love. But at the same time, I also listen almost too much where I'm like, they know better. If it's grammatical, I don't. I, I listened to them. Like I said, I didn't know what the Oxford comma was. First, they told me that I was looking on my keyboard, like, 
this must be a special key, whatever. And when they finally explained it, I swore I looked at my keyboard. I was like, you have betrayed me in so many ways. I'm like, you could have just warned me and told me that you were not on here for me to see. Um, so there, there are times where I feel like I really should know these things. Somebody asked in an interview, are you a pantser or a plotter? And I thought they were asking me something sexual. And I'm staring right at the camera and I'm like, uh, um, am I? Uh, and I'm looking and I'm waiting and I'm like, and I'm thinking in my head, like, have I heard this term? And finally the host figured out, like, I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And they were like, a pantser means fly by the seat of your pants when you write. And a plotter is somebody who does an outline. And I was like, oh, thank God. And like, and I finally looked at her. I went, I really thought you were asking me a sexual question. Like I just came clean because I really didn't, I don't know these terms. And they're kind of looking at me like the whole book community knows. And I'm thinking, uh, um, okay. I didn't get I'm the like, memo. Do you see, I dress up like a fae. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I'm sitting here in a crown. Like, I don't know these things. I, I'm, I'm casting resin skulls and gluing them on leather. I don't know. I, I missed that. Like, I must have missed that in school. You know, if you called my English teachers up and was like, so she wrote a book, my English teacher would be like, Orsino? The little one? <laughs> really? The, the little one. The one who rewrote the ending to the diary of Anne Frank, that one? Yeah, I got in trouble for that. I did oh it in seventh grade though. Okay. All right. We can, and I we was can told let... to I was told to rewrite an ending to a classic. That I, that sounds like you did exactly what was assigned. They should have been more specific, Danielle. And it was seventh grade. I did right. not know. And I thought I wanted to give her a happy ending. I think that. So that's... I gave her one. There you go. There you go. So. Yeah, it, it didn't go well. <laughs> so people who talk about the Fae out of nowhere, like that's not a thing. It's normal people who have a, a history with fantasy literature or you know, something along the lines. I know about your deep seated passion for all things comic book. We will get to that bit in a moment because mm -hmm. you and I know have a couple of sort of religious disagreements in that space, <laughs> but a lot of things we yes. also agree on. But when, so mm -hmm. I can't imagine you didn't read some urban fantasy, that sort of thing before, or some kind of fantasy before you got, before you started writing, you said that you were more of a vampire gal than a fey gal. There are plenty of examples of crossovers between those worlds, many of them yes. in my Kindle account right now. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess my first question, are you historically a high fantasy or urban fantasy or somewhere in between? Um, I miss Avalon I read, which I loved. I loved Miss of Avalon. I love Miss of Avalon. Um, great series. Loved it. And I thought it was a great TV um, adaptation. I thought it was actually pretty well done for its time. Yep. But, you know, kind of surprised it hasn't been redone. But I thought it was well done. Uh, you know, The Hobbit was, was one of the best were one of the first animes I really saw, you know, The Last Unicorn, like from an anime standpoint, things like that, I really enjoyed. But it was pro I'm probably more of an urban 
paranormal fantasy, you know, Laurel K. Hamilton, uh, Janine Frost, those kind of things. Kim Harrison, that's more where I went. Anne Rice, you know, Queen of the Dam kind of changed my life. That was like that, that moment from that. I was like, wow. So, so I am so glad I've led more that way. I'm so I'm glad. Reading, you know, Cursed Demon, her new book right now, The Cursed, Cursed Demon just came out. Audible. I, yeah, I'm doing it right now. Oh my God. It just came out like a day ago. I, now I know what I will be doing this weekend. We'll be downloading yeah. the new Kim Harrison. At- I love Kim Harrison. Yeah, so, I just think she's so underrated. And I'm like, how we have not gotten a hollow series, I don't understand. Right? So, Kim Harrison, for people who don't know, is an amazing um, urban fantasy author who has a whole series that's slightly post-apocalyptic. Is that, I don't know, is that what we would call? I mean, there um, has I don't been know if we just call alternative history thing because yeah. the turn, you know, so it's yeah, a little yeah, yeah. bit different, but she's, she's put a whole new spin on just demons, pixies, vampires. My favorite character in the whole thing, and I think most people's favorite character is Jinx. And Jinx Jinx. is a pixie. And Kim Harrison in there has created this world of pixies who are um, Mm foul-mouthed, overly sexualized (laughs) creatures who fight anything, get drunk on honey, and swear all the time. And most especially swear with regards to Tinkerbell. So, you know, Tinkerbell. Yeah. So, I love it. You know, Disney writer, blah, 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 right? A thousand different iterations of something about Tinkerbell. Please tell me that when you were thinking Faye, somewhere in your head, Jinx was stood there with like a a thimble of honey. Yeah, in his Peter Pan pose, um, swearing about uh, Tinkerbell. I I hadn't started Kim yet. I met, I had, I and Rice. I everything. So when I still to this day cannot tell you where the Fay came from. The only thing I can think of is Morgan Le Fay because I had already read um, Mist of Avalon. I, to this day, I, all I can say is it was a gift from the universe that just the Fay dropped out of my mouth. I don't, I don't really know where it came from because I was, I'd finished making of a monster. I'd finished um, so many vampire iterations of books and obviously Anne Rice. Um, maybe I had read, I read Laurel K. Hamilton, but I hadn't done uh, the Morgan Gentry series yet. So, um, or the Mary Gentry, I hadn't read Mary yet. So I'm not sure where Faye came from. It just flew out of my mouth and that's where I went. I picked up Kim after, and because I picked up Jeanine Frost after as well, and Shannon Mare. All of all of those ladies came afterwards. So to this day, I don't know where it came from. So since creating Faye from nothing, from a gift yeah. from the universe, um, mm-hmm. you've been on book tours. You've gone to. Have you met some of these other authors in the similar space? And if so, what is is that like? I would think that it would be weird because 
you're in such a similar space and make very different universes. And I know that sometimes authors can have to be very careful about sharing ideas or talking because you don't want to, it needs to be very clear that you haven't, you know, been inspired by somebody else directly, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, what is that like when you meet other authors in the similar space at conventions or at on tour or what have you? I, the, I'm considered because of, you know, in being in the Four Horsemen stable, I'm more high fantasy. Uh, in my next series, I will be, I'm moving more to, to urban paranormal because Birth of a Succubus, which is the second volume to Birth of a Fae, is modern time. And so I moved to urban at that point. But um, most of the authors I've dealt with are already in urban or paranormal. So we don't, we I don't really have to worry about that right now, but I'm sure it'll change once Birth of a Succubus comes out. Uh, so I haven't, had those issues just yet i've had shannon mayor has um i've had a little bit of contact with her um via instagram but um the couple of times i've spoken to authors it's been really cool because it's been more like us just sharing what it's like to be an, a female author in during this time right now so that's been a different aspect of it uh is, so i haven't is, had that too many issues is there a camaraderie between between you like when you meet women in the high fantasy or in the stable like is there a like oh thank god somebody else who knows this life and and you lean on each other is there like a weird friction or distance because of that concern for overlap i haven't met any high fantasy women really um okay. i have to say though valerie willis uh jm the women from the four horsemen have been very very um supportive because they do get it they understand what it's like the four horsemen were one of the only publishers to not ask me to change my name everybody else asked me to change my name uh every other publisher who was either looking at me talking to me was like oh could you just maybe make it dm or Sino? and i was like why they were like how's your high fantasy and it's a really hard market for women and these guys were the only ones that were like no 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 keep it danielle they were like no 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 don't worry about it they were it was also their idea to put me on the cover of the books i that was all them they were just like you're a woman you cosplay you have these pictures of you dressed as the characters screw it you're going on the cover and i'm like oh oh okay that's that's an interesting take on this whole situation um so they are they were very very supportive of me uh four horsemen have probably been from a female perspective and because they're all women have been the most supportive of, yeah, you're a woman, you're doing fantasy, cool. And you wanna be violent, let's go. Um, you know, everybody else who I'd come into contact with was like, could you just change this? Or are you sure you don't wanna add romance in book one? I'm like, um, they've been locked out of heaven. They can't go home. They don't like each other. I'm like, no, my queen does not have a chance to swipe right. Like, no, 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 she does not have time. Uh, what what part of this are we not getting? Like, no, she's not looking to get laid. Like, no. Blow on King the list Jarvok, of priority right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when they found out Jarvok was going to be a virgin, they were just like, oh my God, you're going to make the King of the Dark Bay a virgin? I was like, yeah, they were like, that, I mean, everybody was kind of like, that's kind of unheard of. I was like, why does he have to be a player? Like, why can't he be a virgin? And everybody was like, um... And they were like, yeah, go for it. They were like, that's, that's a bold choice. I'm like, well, why is he screwing everything? It really, it's a break though, from tradition of how the Fae are 
are normally shown, right? Like the the fae and and sex and flirtation and all of that have always gone sort of hand in glove. So, but you're creating a new world. So as you said, fuck it, you get to make the rules. And I think that that's fantastic that you were just like, no, he's not going to be a player. But thanks, I I think that's amazing. I love it. Um, so you're on the cover. Mm-hmm. You yes. look amazing on the oh, cover. Thank you. Thank you. But it must also be an extra level of stress and an extra level of, again, I would feel, I don't like having my picture on my YouTube channel on my, <laughs> for like yes. these things. I can't imagine mm-hmm. posing for something like that where the point is to be beautiful and enticing, mm-hmm. et cetera. And, and people are going to say what they're going to say, again, not knowing mm-hmm. it's a real human not knowing that it's you. Yes. First of all, how on earth do you get to be a healthy enough human being (laughs) with enough self-esteem to be like, fuck it, here I am, I look great, suck it up uh, and and do it in the first place. And then second of all, what is the reality? Like, was that terrifying for you? Is that just my, me, you know, uh, putting my baggage on you? How how has that been? Um, Let me start by this. The first, the first two covers or maybe even the first three the pictures were not taken to be on the cover that it just happened to work out that way because they were originally taken for promo shots for a magazine and then the magazine was taking too long and i had these pictures and i was in the process of negotiating with four horsemen so um if they saw the pictures and said we have an idea and then mocked up the cover and said what do you think and i was like oh okay yeah sure you know it was more of like Hey, we're doing this. Just get on board. So I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. Okay. Cover four, I shot with the intention of this is going to be on the cover. I was totally terrified. I am terrified when every book cover came out, even though I did not shoot them with those intentions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would like to sit here and tell you, I'm so confident. And oh, it's great. Who cares? Um, No, that's all BS. Okay. I said, I'm totally terrified. Because a lot of people don't recognize me. Like in the first cover where I'm the mermaid, my own father didn't know it was me. Oh, wow. I showed it to him and I was like, dad, what do you think? And he's like, who's the chick on the cover? And I'm like, and I thought it looked exactly like you from the moment I saw it. I was like, holy crap, that's her. And then the same, I think the second one is the one that looks most like you as you. Oh, yeah. Present now because it's got the red hair, right? So like, yeah. I mean, second one was me. My dad, because my hair is naturally jet black, my dad on the third cover was like, I'm pretty sure that's you. You know, he was like, I'm going to say it's you, but, uh, you know. Um, But the first cover, like, I remember somebody on a book tour was like, she looks like Phoebe from Friends and not in a good way. And then somebody else was like, oh, she looks like Lady Gaga and not in a good way. Like, there was a lot of, like, mean comments. And then I actually chimed in and went, it's the author. And then somebody backpedaled and went, oh, I think that's really cool. And then, you know, oh, that, that's great. That's great. And somebody else was like, still thinks she says she looks like Phoebe, you know, and it, then the comments kind of went. Um, I've had some people who were like, oh, it's so vain that you put yourself on the cover. And I'm like, okay, well, if you knew how much it costs to put a model, I'm like, and that I've got to pay for the covers. I was like, you might think differently <laughs> about how this whole game goes. Uh, and then I've had some women that are like, it's really empowering because you're not 19 years old. 
And uh, they were like, I think it's kind of cool that you're doing this. And it also shows your love of your books because you're willing to put yourself out there and that you're willing to back up your own work because now we're judging literally a book by its cover. You're saying, yeah, I wrote the words and I'm actually putting myself on the cover to say it's good inside and out. And I'm like, okay, that's one way of saying it. Cool. <laughs> you know, I'm like, sure. Uh, at this point, I was dressing up like these characters anyway before anybody was taking pictures because sometimes I was doing it just to see should Desdemona have a cape? Nope, it'll get pulled in battle. You know, um, what's it like to have a tail and swim with it so I could actually write about it as Serena? Some of this was just research because I'm not a classically trained author. So I didn't know how to get in the head of these characters. So I was like, well, then I'm just going to act it out and see what happens. This is how I did it. So, okay, now you're just taking pictures of it. It's kind of the same thing. Um, putting Jarvok on the cover of book four, it was natural because of everything that goes down in book four, but I'm making his armor anyway. So, okay, let's photograph it. You know, it just kind of feels like these are all natural progressions. I'm putting the blood, sweat, and tears into making the world. We're making a physical representation of this. It's, if you can't figure out from a reader now of how much I love this world, that I'm actually gonna go the distance of creating these costumes, then I don't know what else to tell you. Cause I can guarantee you that, you know, no offense, JK Rowling, Stephanie Myers and all that, they're not creating a sparkly vampire. You know, I don't think she's sitting there dusting herself with, with uh, you know, Fenty uh, diamond bomb and going outside going, look how it sparkles. I think this is how Edward would look. I don't think that's happening. I just no. don't think so. Probably not, no. So, you know, I don't think when she was writing Twilight, that stuff was going down. I can tell you that, yes, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm making Harbinger swords and actually lining up the shots and going, I think this is how it works. Does it make me a better author or not? No, I'm not saying that at all, but it tells you this is how much I love the world, that I'm, I'm actually living it. Maybe it makes me a little crazy too. Probably, but you know, I think but the mark I of think, a world is living in it. I think that's really true. I think that a great fantasy world does that. I find that when I'm really engrossed in a book in a series that I love, I am almost annoyed. No, I'm not almost. I am annoyed when I have to step away from that world and come back to actual reality where, you know, now I'm, you know, mom who has to cook dinner and fold laundry and all that kind of stuff instead mm -hmm. of being submerged in this world. And so I can completely understand. And that's how I feel about all of my favorite books and even my not favorite books, just the ones that were worth reading all the way. How, how do you find balance given that? Because you can't always be in your world, right? Bills have to get paid husbands have to go to work events with their wife right not mm -hmm. as an amazing fae queen <laughs> so mm -hmm. how how do you find balance for yourself in terms of being able to be immersive enough to live in the space and create there and flesh out that universe but at the same time find time to still be danielle and hang out with your dad and and walk the dogs and that sort of thing? I think I'm still finding balance because I'm still building the brand 
and it does become your life. It just does because I am trying to pay the bills and do everything. So this does become a, a lot of it. Um, you know, a little sparkle never hurts somebody. So yeah, when Bill goes to work events, Aurora does come out a little bit because I'm trying to make him proud. You know, um, so there's, a, <laughs> you know, I think that's where the Fay work because I'm like a little sparkle and a little Fay go a long way. Uh, sometimes in the real world, it's nice to bring the veil with me. But, you know, I go to Muay Thai and believe me, there's no room for sparkle there. You know, yeah. I work out at, at a gym that is as close to Gleason's as I can get in Charlotte. And, um, <laughs> you know, if, if I walk in with sparkles on my face, Doug is the first one to be like, you had a podcast today, huh? We brought the Faye with us here, didn't we? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, it better not be coming off in the ring. So, you know, I, I have to still remember where I'm at. Uh, things like that. And I'm trying to take time and, and not write on the weekends, or I'm trying to pick times where I'm like, I'm not writing today. I just, I can't and, and separate a little bit or else the Faye do become all encompassing. And I'm trying, I, I take time with my puppies, you know, Carlos and Penelope are the reason I write, you know, I'm doing as much as, as much as authors say, I want to be the next, you know, Mar George Martin. I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm looking to have a big backyard for the puppies and one day have a rescue farm. You know, that's what I'm, I'm looking for, you know, to have my own Rowan and my own Holly rescue, you know, foxes and mink and all that stuff. So I'm trying to just take some time and separate and still work, which can be a lot. You yeah. know, I, I get, I get lost in my comics, you know, Wonder Woman's right around the corner. Um, I do cosplay, like I'm going to a con next weekend and I'm not going as a Faye, you know, I'm going as, you know, uh, kingdom come wonder woman, golden armor, because going as your brand all the time, it's like, okay, I don't want to walk in as Aurora and have people be like, who the hell are you? You know, I go as wonder woman. I'll go as Harley Quinn. I'll kind of get lost in my characters aside from that, because then it's not the Faye. Sure. And try to lose myself in some other hobbies. You know, I wonder if that's why you hear about authors who do retreats where they like go away from their family and friends and everything. And, you know, the, the Thoreau thing, right. In a cabin in the woods, but mm -hmm. some version of that where they have no reason to do anything except be immersed in their world for like two weeks at a time and then reemerge for that. air. Um, and, and I can imagine that would be a lot you know what I mean like I I am not immersed in a world like you are but I get immersed in my work and if my family was not here so that I had to go get my kid at a certain mm -hmm. time and then I had to you know code switch and be mom for a while mm -hmm. I would probably work until 11 12 o'clock at night and get up the next morning and do the same thing again and, and it, it would not be healthy and it would be exhausting um and I think it would be, yeah, so I, I can see the temptation, but I can also see the danger in that area. It's, it can be a lot. My Carlos is, um, he, he's got lymphangiectasia. He's got some needs that I have to be in on with him. Like the minute he starts getting sick, he's got a medication protocol that I have to hit and timed out perfectly or else we're downhill fast. And so there's a lot of attention on him. Uh, at times. So I have to be kind of balancing things 
perfectly. Like last night I was coming home and my husband calls and he's like, he's not doing well. He's starting to shake. This is going on. And it's like, get home. Okay. Got to have this lined up. Got to have this medication, give him this inject, get ready. And he's also my service dog. He sniffs out my migraines, changes in my aneurysm. So I've got to be on him. I mean, him and I are connected at the hip. It's, it's, we're on. So there's, I have to make sure that while one foot is in the veil, the rest of me is always firmly planted in reality as much as I love getting lost in the veil. And I'm in the middle of editing book five right now and getting ready to turn it in uh, for another set of final edits. And it's like, yeah, as much as it's fun and I've got six like right, you know, kind of simmering right here and I'm picking from six going, okay, make sure. And then we're getting ready to shoot the cover for six. That can all be here and that's great, but I can't lose sight of what I'm doing and be ready to kind of, to rock and roll and whatever other ideas I have kind of floating around. That's great that they're floating, but I, I've got to be ready to go. So speaking of having only one foot in the here and now, mm -hmm. um, we are actually out of time. I cannot believe that has gone that quickly. Oh. So Danielle, tell me what we went, I, I got so immersed in you even talking about your world. I can't even uh, say this is amazing, but what have I forgotten to ask you? <laughs> That I should well, have asked where everybody can find my world. Of oh, course. well, we're going to have links for all of that for sure. So, all the Amazon, the Goodreads links, all of that. Is there extra things that people should know about in terms of where they can find you at cons or anything like that? Um, I will be at HeroCon. I'm going to go check out HeroesCon in Charlotte. We're kind of getting our con schedule because of COVID. You know, things are backed up a little bit. So, we're getting that together. I'm waiting to find out if I'll be doing a panel at New York Comic Con. Um, <gasps> yes, I'm waiting to find out. Fingers crossed, New York Comic Con. Um, so, and it will be about fantasy writing and cosplay and how they go hand in hand. So we're hopeful. Um, I am an ambassador to uh, Bookie Call. I don't know if you've heard of this amazing app. BuzzFeed just did a big article on them. Okay. So it's basically like a dating app for books. So think of Booty Call, Bookie Call. I love it. So you okay. can swipe right or left and it will help you find your perfect um, book date. So it's, I think it's really good for authors, like new authors who are kind of trying to get into writing because a lot of times people are like, oh, I only read, like me, I only read vampire books or I was into Mary Higgins Clark for the longest time too. But this will kind of help learn your preferences and then it'll suggest books and you can swipe right or left. Now, of course, I'm going to tell you to swipe on Locked Out of Heaven. Hey, that's just me. Obviously. But, <laughs> yeah, obviously. I mean, come on. But it'll suggest and all different books and has fiction, nonfiction. But I think it's like a really cool app. It's for, um, you know, it's on iOS. It's on Android. But I think it's like really cool. They're on um, Instagram as well. So you can kind of check them out and get a feel for them. But I think it's something that's new and it's very inventive. And it's changing the way we're viewing our books. Because not everybody wants to go to Barnes & Noble's. And then it's hard to go shopping on Amazon. Yeah. So I think Bookie Call is kind of a new way to take a look at it. So I'm encouraging people and fans to go give them a try, try and check it out. So that's one thing. And then um, Kingdom Come has just come out. And then I have a novella coming out that is just Dark Fae and Dragons. Okay. My readers were asking for it. So fire, sure. ice, acid, sure. and heart. Okay. Dark Fae are always the best. They're always the most interesting, I think. Like, I well, always this, fear for the villain. So <laughs> and I'm giving you dragons 
fighting in a tournament. Oh. So this is like my martial art. Think of dodgeball and a martial art tournament put together. I'm excited. I am, that's amazing. And, and it's dragons. There you go. And it's it's dragons. And I do a lot of research on it. I mean, I had like dragon action figures, like and I was doing this, and I was trying to figure out how they would fight. So I'm hoping that we may turn into a graphic novel. So fingers crossed, we're kind of looking at it. I think that would be a cool way, but it was inspired by my best friend from high school when she lost uh, her dog crossed over. So she asked me to make uh, her a, a dragon. So I made Callie a fire breather. So it's all about their adventure together in this dark fae tournament. In order okay, so for I them have to, to ask one more on. question before I can let you go. Yes. Are all your dragons dogs? Uh, no, one of my dragons is actually my neurologist. He wanted to be a dragon. Dr. Zabo asked me to be a dragon. There you so go. he is an acid breather in the tournament fight. So okay. you meet him. He is actually Azriel's uh, dragon and he's an acid breather. I asked him what he wanted to be and he said, I want to be an, uh, an acid breather. So Dr. Zabo is the dragon known as Zabo. Makes and sense. I spelt it the right way. <laughs> and he is, yeah. So a lot of them are, but sometimes they're people. If you piss me off or if you ask to be, you know. You know that coffee cup that says don't disturb the author she might kill you i might make you a dragon you never know you or a gnome or a troll's prick you don't know <laughs> so there's you know there's ways i get even with you in all different manners manners so oh my know, god i love it we'll see oh danielle you are amazing thank you so much um i hope everybody goes and reads your books um you're incredible your worlds are incredible thank you so much for your time thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it course. You've been listening to Hey, I Want Your Job. For more information on how you can get your own awesome job, visit ONH Consulting at www.onhconsulting.com. We offer incredible resumes, no-nonsense career advice, and real-world tips for landing a job in today's market. Check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Insta for more insider information. Soon, you'll be hearing us say, I'm Michelle Olivier, and hey, I want your job. <laughs>